It's the Esports Connected podcast, where we welcome members of the Esports Trade Association to share their experiences in the world of esports and gaming. I'm your host, Megan Van Petten. So I'm Megan Van Petten, founder and managing director of the Esports Trade Association. Welcome, welcome to Esports Connected. And if you can introduce yourselves, let's start with you, Ed. Sure, Megan. Thanks for having myself and Lauren on the call today. My name is Ed Tomasi. I am the co-founder and chief managing director for Subnation. And I'm also a co-chair for the Greater Raleigh Esports Local Organizing Committee. I've got about 20 years uh, this September in, in, in gaming and esports. So I've been around for a while and uh, have learned a lot, especially from, from my, my co-guest here, Lauren Gold, in regards to uh, destination marketing in and around esports. Yeah, and Megan, uh, great to see you. Thank you so much for having us on the podcast. And I'm Lauren Gold. I'm the Executive Vice President with the Greater Raleigh Convention and Visitors Bureau. We work predominantly in the you know convention, tourism, leisure, and sports realm for as a destination marketing organization. And thrilled to be here today to talk about esports. Uh, I too am uh, one of the co-chairs for the Greater Raleigh Esports Local Organizing Committee, and. I don't want to, I'm going to address it now from an acronym standpoint, but one of our departments is separately branded and that's the Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance. So if I refer to GRSA at any point in this conversation, you and uh, the audience will know what I'm talking about, but it is really our sports marketing department that supports uh, a lot of what uh, Ed and I are doing uh, in the esports space. I guess one thing that we can start is what you've done to date. Mm Mm-hmm. In the in the esports in the esports sector, sure. Happy. Yeah, I mean, I can I can kick it off. I think you know certainly from a from a DMO standpoint, the reason that we decided to kind of push heavily into the space kind of twofold. One, we had completed back in 2017, 18, and 2018, 19 over kind of straddling two fiscal years for our operational budget. What we refer to as a destination strategic plan. Some in the industry refer to it as a 10-year tourism master plan. We kind of gave it its own branded name, so it's destination strategic plan or DSP 2028. So it's a 10-year uh, forward-thinking plan that in uh, working with JLL, Jones Lang LaSalle, which is one of the, the big players in the space that, that consults to DMOs on uh, long-term master planning, they broke that plan into eight different priorities. And you know some of the logical things like meetings and conventions, destination development, quality of place, events, sports has its own priority. And within that sports priority, uh, they really dove into talking about and looking at how the GRCVB and the Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance, the GRSA, could open up some doors for esports. What they were really looking at was our ecosystem. What was in our backyard within the Greater Raleigh area and really more on a wider scale in the triangle, which is, you know, Chapel Hill, Durham and and Raleigh and the ecosystem in our backyard. Epic was clearly called out as, as one of the major players, along with about seven other game development companies that are here. I think it also speaks to an industry cluster heavily involved in technology and endemic partners like Lenovo and Red Hat and SaaS and some others uh, that have either played heavily in the space or are starting to push into the space. And I think you can't forget about the academic institutions that are in our backyard. And right now we've got upwards of four, soon to be five colleges and universities that have game development and game simulation curriculum. So it was a natural progression for us to move to this space through this tourism uh, study. And again, 13 months 
uh, over 2,000 interviews, both quantitative and qualitative. A lot of things that got flushed out from business leaders, public stakeholders, and hospitality partners. That led us to, okay, how do we get in? We've dabbled in it. We did a little bit of it with uh, MLG way back in the day, somewhere around 2011 through 2014. MLG rolled out of Raleigh, went on to a different uh, destination. And at that point, we were really looking at it from a transactional standpoint. It was just you know another event for us. But I think what the DSP and this, this long-term 10-year plan really had us to start to look at or how do we start to form partnerships for long-term sustainability in the event space and specifically in esports? Fast forward to roughly 2019, Ed and I had the chance to connect through some opportunities we had with DreamHack. And we saw an opportunity with Ed being right in our backyard to bring in Ed and SubNation as, a, as, a, as an agency, as a, a consultative arm of our sports and esports offering to bring in and really kind of get the know-how and get quickly on the glide path for engagement within the community. You brought up the 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 buzzword bingo word there, which is, you know, ecosystem. And in the, the the name where the word gets, you know, often used heavily when we talk about esports and destinations and 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 brand marketing within gaming and esports. So, you know, the first thing that we really wanted to do as a task for Greater Raleigh was to define what the esports ecosystem meant for the DMO. And each DMO has its own DNA. You know, one thing I found out is that there's a lot of acronyms in the D- in the <laughs> destination industry. Yes. So like I'll I'll throw a couple of those around, but you know, the DNA of the DMO, you know, is really unique to to that market and you really need to understand what that what it means to to be that destination, what it offers, what is it generally, you know, hosting? You know, for example, Raleigh has been hosting uh, a lot of collegiate sports events historically, as, as well as other larger industry type events. It's it's also done local events within gaming. And what we're looking to do, and what we have done essentially, is built this strategy to define the esports ecosystem for Greater Raleigh. And it really starts, like as as Lauren mentioned, with with the with the the base notion of of developing partnerships not transactions and so what what does all that mean you know for for greater raleigh it 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 really means looking at uh, all the elements of of hosting and supporting gaming and esports programs and events so for example you know it's not a transaction with the convention center we we actually work with them to evaluate the infrastructure at all the all the facilities within greater raleigh that are capable of hosting small medium and large you know so it's not just about hosting that you know 12,000 attendee you know ESL1 type of, of, of extraordinary event. While, while we are definitely out there pursuing those type of relationships and events and have, have had success in, in hosting them to date, we're also realizing that we need to support the smaller local type of events because they too need to survive, not just on a one-by-one-year basis, but also to sort of marry it with this 10-year program. Isn't that great? So the 10-year program, how has that shifted with what's happened in 2020? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) great question. It's ironic that you asked that because we literally just this morning had a, let's call it a recalibration of year two implementation. So we're technically in year two of the 10-year plan. 
We had a highly successful year one with a, a lot of things that, that got uh, accomplished specific to tourism infrastructure, convention center, Cary, Cary, North Carolina, which is one of the 12 municipalities within Wake County. That's our the area that we market, has launched and got approval for building a large indoor sports facility. I think traditional stick and ball, but a big part of that was looking at it um, from the vantage point of esports. So how, how do we curate events within that facility, not only front of house seating capabilities and capacities, but back of house. And that's where Ed and Subnation have come in and talked a little bit with the town. They are kind of premature to the design phase. There's been a little bit of a pumping of the brakes because of COVID. So year one went really well. Year two, we really had to kind of step back from, and we didn't launch year two implementation right out of the gate, July 1 of 2020. We were still really in response mode to our community really trying to figure out which way was up with regards to COVID, health and safety guidelines, a lot of that implementation, putting that in place, not only from the county and the city level, but from a statewide level. So there's a statewide initiative called Count on Me NC that we as a DMO and others around the state have all bought into. So the, this is a certification program for restaurants and retail and things like that for health and safety guidelines, rebuilding consumer confidence that we can curate events. But we do, and we just announced this morning to our board, a year two implementation for the latter half of 2021. We run on a fiscal year. So really January through June 30th of this year has year two implementation. Esports has been front and center. We have not backed off of what we've been doing in the space. Again, Ed and his team and our team have been working together since uh, really 1920 fiscal year. We're now into 2021 fiscal year. And um, we had, I think, a really solid spring and summer. Unfortunately, we've probably had to slow down a little bit of some of our engagement. We still have a lot of corporate partners and academic partners that are interested. But again, everybody's kind of had to shift their priority to move from a response now to a recovery mode. And we're now back into recovery mode. I do think that some things have, have gone well in the industry. There's been some virtual trade shows in the esports space. Our team had a presence there. We've had engagement with many of the big names, you know, the riots and, and others that are really, really anxious to get the ball rolling in late 21 and early 22. And we've even had, I think, opportunities that bubbled up where we worked with ESL on a PUBG mobile effort that really became a virtual shift. It was all online gaming, but they, in essence, needed to kind of sequester the players from the West Coast to the East Coast as it related to uh, server capacity and to be able to connect those team members to compete against European and South American teams. And Ed helped orchestrate that. So this was an opportunity to bring, in essence, 900 room nights to one of our hotels that desperately needed business right at the height of COVID in June of 20. And they had 30, in essence, uh, I think it was somewhere around two dozen, close to 30 players staying in-house for 30 days competing online. So, you know, sometimes with the challenges come opportunities. And then, you know, I think our resiliency kind of shined through on that. So it, it's been an interesting pivot, but we, we do see a, a way forward and a lot of opportunities in the not too distant future. Yeah, I almost feel like we were the innovators of, of creating an esports bubble environment, right, for, for players yeah. back, back in June. The other thing that we implemented along with that program with ESL was an esports medical concierge service. It was uh, one of, I think, one of the first of its kind that was curated specifically to put the players and the parents, as well as the league sponsors and publisher, at ease in a sense that we were really looking at the health and wellness of the players first and foremost. 
And you know, as a market, again, that speaks really highly to the fact that we're trying to develop partnerships and not just transactions. Like we would not have gone through all the efforts of putting together, you know, the the medical staff. And by the way, the medical staff was one of the most premier sports uh, medicine groups in 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 the United States. Not only do they are the official medical staff for the NHL Hurricanes, but they also work with NC State and have affiliation with Duke Duke Healthcare System. So, you know, we're 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 really serious uh, about what we're doing within gaming and esports and hosting, and obviously with with COVID, you know, it 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 was a threat and an opportunity. So we we took the opportunity to create something that was so unique, and I think that sort of has a statement about our commitment to not only the players' safety, but sort of the that ecosystem and how we are treating our ecosystem for esports. Yeah, that's great. Can you share a little bit about yourself and, you know, how you got to here? And, you know, it's just fascinating the what you guys have done and the opportunities you've created and the leadership strides you've made. Yeah, I, I mean, my background, you know, started within gaming and esports started about, you know, like I said, 20 years ago, where I really bootstrapped the esports. And at the time, I, I was was coming off of a marketing and advertising career that was focused on startups and, and online advertising. So I sort of had that top-down education from a brand perspective and from a marketing operations perspective. And that was my lens going into gaming and esports with this Samsung division. And so I spent five years really bootstrapping esports and gaming, understanding all the elements, all the players. And when I say players, the brands and you know the, the publishers and the ecosystem, essentially. And then from there, had the opportunity to work with DirecTV as they developed a new global league called the Championship Gaming Series. And that really allowed me to, to work with my colleagues to, to basically develop something that's never been done before, which is starting a brand new global league from scratch. And I got to work with you know Emmy award-winning producers. I got to work with professional uh, production staffs. And that's when the, the whole idea of developing you know studios, for example, physical studios for, that are specific to gaming and esports really came about. So f- from there, we 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 then continued this agency to the point it was called ESS agency esports services and this agency was one of the first esports specific agencies in North America i know that there's a lot a lot of groups out there that love to claim that but i i'd love to challenge them on it but really don't need to you know with from ESS uh, we really caught the eye of ESL ASL needed a, a partner in North America, and they acquired ESS, and then from there became uh, vice president of operations for ESS North America. Helped them develop their studio out in Burbank. You know, helped them with the various other operational uh, and live event programming, and and really started delving into the lifestyle and cultural element of gaming and esports, which then further landed me at at Subnation and co-founding Subnation, which celebrates and elevates the the uh, lifestyle. Of, of gaming and the, the culture of esports. And then within this group here at Subnation, I, I manage the, the, the advisory services group, which is essentially a fancy word for consulting. And we work with various municipalities and brands to essentially deliver esports in the flavor that they need to, to reach the audience that they need to reach. Yeah, I was going to say from from my vantage point, I I came entered into the industry hotel side. Went to work for Marriott uh, Hotels and Resorts back in the late '80s, 
and had the good fortune to find my way into a global sales office. So I learned pretty early on in my career the concept of strategic selling and really kind of looking at opportunities in the sales realm a little bit more at 30,000 feet and 360 degrees, so to speak. From there, I moved into the CVB or DMO world. I went to work for Denver, Colorado, ran their regional office in D.C. D.C.'s got the highest concentration of trade associations and professional societies. Chicago, number two, I know where ESTA is based. We won't forget about Chicago market, but started to have the opportunity to kind of cut my teeth in in the DMO world and really kind of getting you know, destination selling and really kind of big picture selling and partnership selling and really looking at a community from the vantage point beyond bricks and mortar and hospitality infrastructure and number of hotel rooms and size and capacity of a convention center. What other key elements exist in those communities from a private sector standpoint, from a municipal leader standpoint, from a thought leader standpoint? Really, what are what are the destination brand and attributes? You know, what, what's the value prop to the event planner to bring an event to said destination above and beyond kind of those bricks and mortars. And so spent almost three years, almost four years with uh, Denver and then had the chance to launch my own business. Actually, I I formed a business back in the early nineties that ran all the way up to right just shy of 9-11, believe it or not, about a week prior to to 9-11 in 2001. And it was called City Reps. And it was, again, it was a regional sales arm four CVBs in a consultancy type of capacity where we set up a staff both in DC and Chicago and sold four or five different destinations. These were emerging destinations that were just starting to come into the national marketplace. And they didn't want to open up their full-fledged, you know, own offices. So they they hired us to do that on their behalf. That again kind of solidified one, some entrepreneurship thinking on my behalf because I ran the company and had uh, a whopping staff of uh, three underneath me. And also continue to fuel kind of that strategic partnership-driven process. From there, went back to the global hotel side of the equation for another three years uh, and then had the opportunity to come to Raleigh. And Raleigh was really emerging as a destination. I I knew it on paper. My dad was a graduate of Duke. I knew the area. But the one thing I did know coming into it is that they had a strong sense of community, a strong collaborative nature, uh, a great private sector and a great public sector, you know, anchored by, you know, three tier one research universities and Duke and UNC and NC State University. And to me, that's kind of gold, you know, when you get into the event space and really the selling space, again, thinking beyond, you know, bricks and mortar, the four walls of the convention center, inventory capacity of a hotel, what else are we going to provide the host organization by bringing their event here? And that is, you know, thought leaders, what we like to refer to as connectors, so, you know, when we look at kind of tying this back to esports and what we're doing with Greelock, that model has been a big part of what I've been doing most of my career. So I, I, I do think esports and the reason that we brought Ed, Ed in and Subnation in is to, to understand all the subtle nuances, obviously the game titles, the various uh, channels, but the modeling and the partnership push and the, the strategic selling part of it is really what we've been doing all along. We're just now applying it to what we feel is a hugely growing channel and a a huge upside opportunity for us as a destination. Well, they really are lucky to have both of you and all the (laughs) collaboration that you're creating, you know, and it's great to have you here. So what's next for you guys? 
Well, I, I'll go ahead and jump in. I, again, I think we we are continuing to try to drive a big strategy tied to that 10-year tourism strategy, specific for esports. We're working on a, a couple different things right now. We've we've launched a, a full-blown secondary land landing page at RaleighSports.gg, much with the help of Subnation and the Subnation team. So we're we're really kind of putting a a marker out there to the esports community that we're here. We understand it. We've got venues. We've got hotel hotels that get it. We've had you know some short-term success in hosting a couple different events. We continue to try to push the event channel. We've got an exciting announcement coming up with the um, curation of the Collegiate Esports uh, National Championship in, in early May. So there's still very much an event strategy there. We're, we're bullish and excited about what's going to happen in the latter half of 21 and early 22, based on what some other event producers are telling us. We had a great deal of success with Ubisoft and R6 pre-COVID. Right. But I think the other opportunity beyond events is academic engagement. And again, private sector engagement. When we talk about this ecosystem, how do we as a community continue to elevate what we're doing from a industry standpoint in esports. How do we connect the academic institutions to the private sector companies that are here? How do we connect students to be more immersive in esports space beyond game development, you know, casting and and a number of the other areas that that Ed is has opened up our eyes to. So again, how do we help companies uh, view it from a job recruitment, job retention standpoint? Even looking at it to the standpoint of companies that exist here, when they're trying to bring employees in, those employees are looking at the destination through a lens of, okay, if I move there beyond the job, what do I do for fun? What do I do when I'm off the clock? What do I do to entertain my family? And for some, esports and gaming is very much a part of their demographic. So to be able to provide some of those branding elements and those brand attributes to our private sector to really kind of amplify our destination that are targeting that core demo of gaming and esports, there's good synergy there. So, you know, we like to talk about, you know, a great place to, 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 to live and work, but all those have to start with a great place to visit first. So if we can get people here that are coming in for events or coming here to work for companies that are, again, embracive of esports and gaming and this ecosystem that we're working on, that just helps our destination, helps all of our partners. So yeah, I mean, a, to, yeah. to to add to what uh, Lauren had mentioned, you know, I, I don't think we ever we we ever had to refocus on our goals of developing, you know, that this esports ecosystem. And what we did is we we said, okay, there there's the small, medium, and large, right? That there's the small events that are the local events that we need to not only identify, reach out to. So it's not so much an inbound effort; it's also an outbound effort with these local groups to to make sure that they know that the the organization exists and that there's support mechanisms and potentially economic incentives out there that they should be aware of that we can work to try and develop what they're looking to do as a local event. And then, of course, you've got the medium size events, which are more the regional, and those can be both within our market, but are out and about could be national going to do a regional event within within this this you know this this area of the country and we're again looking you know doing outreach to to those groups as well and then you know the larger events which you know are the the national and the international events i think we've already proven that not only can we host them but they can flourish here in this market you know when we refer back to the Rainbow Six major that we hosted back in August of 2019, it was one of the the more successful events from 
from a revenue generator and from a community satisfaction component. Not only were the live stream you know, numbers fantastic from a global perspective, that's because the, it was a great production and, and yeah. the, the community is an incredible community. But from a satisfaction perspective of attendees, you know, it, the ease of, of finding a, a hotel that, that is, you know, in a not at an astronomical price, the, the, the ease of being able to walk across the street instead of having to drive to, to, to the, the venue was an incredible convenience for everybody and, and, and really sort of put at this whole other layer of, of planning and, and expense aside for the community, for the players, for the, for the staff, as well as for the attendees. So, you know, we've really had, you know, the opportunity to never hesitate. We might have had to refocus um, our efforts in certain areas because of COVID, but I'm really proud to say that, like, we've really innovated. Like I said, developing that esports bubble or, or, or developing a medical concierge service for players and staff and, and, and really developing the relationships with all of the, the, the folks that are out there that are looking to host events or activities, you know, as as we as we continue to to communicate the benefits of the of the of the Raleigh, the Greater Raleigh area, I think we've opened a lot of eyes to the fact of that we've got so many benefits that we're we're now starting to see RFPs come in for the latter half of this year and and obviously for next year that are putting us at the top of of their their selection list or at least their evaluation list because of everything that we've been communicating and developing the the new landing page for specific to esports destination for Raleigh is is really unique. There's not many destinations out there that have that. We developed a beautiful video that really communicates the spirit, the DNA of our market and how it relates to gaming and esports. So again, it's been an investment all along and that investment of of time and resources, it it has really never, never, you know, hesitated in in this opportunity. So there's this markets out there that we know of that you know, or I mean, every market's struggling from a financial perspective. But but you know, when when COVID hit, there were either markets that were invested into developing their esports ecosystem, or there there were ones that were just on the fence, and then there there were ones that were sort of waiting it out. What we're seeing is that you know the ones that were invested into it and continue to are really going to rise to the the top of of you know of that list for all the various type of events and communities that are looking to to destinations to 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 host their their communities for the ones that were on the fence you know it showed that they needed to really focus in on it i think it made its decision that you know when all sports were canceled that esports wasn't and and i think that really you know put them over to the point where they need to really focus and invest resources into this and for the ones that that sort of you know waited back you know they're gonna they're they're going to have to play catch up now, and you know there are certain markets that are going to be quick, be able to to quickly turn that around. But you know the unique thing about what we have, you know, in in Greater Raleigh is is sort of this understanding of what what esports is and what it can be and and the value of it across the board. So from you know the Chamber of Commerce to to the Sports Authority to the Convention and Visitors Bureau to you know, the 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 chairman of of, of major technology corporations and you know the, even to, the municipal leaders too. I mean, we had municipal leaders turn out to the R six event. They were blown yeah. away. It was yeah. really kind of both elected leaders and management staff from uh, the city team came out and the county team came out to look at it and kind of really try to get some perspective on it. Uh, it's yeah. important. 
Yeah. Yeah. I got, you know, like, the thing is like, like your when we life work, your life work of the two of you, it just came together. And the word <laughs> I would use is collaboration. Yeah. You know, you yeah. really yeah. are an example of collaboration and community. And yeah. it's, it's so impressive. And what I love most is that you're sharing it with us, you know, so other cities, you know, can, can you can use what you have done as an example of, because yeah. this works. The, the, the medical concierge, the safety of the players, the safety of people attending, the innovation that you guys have shown us and paved the way. You know, it's a big thank you. Yeah, we're, we're excited about it. I, what get, really gets me going, I mean, I love the event side. I've been in the event space again, you know, as I said, from the onset, 32 years. But what I'm really excited about is the academic opportunities and really the, the private sector growth opportunities from per career progression and the development of other companies that play in this space. Obviously, big announcement, you know, right at the end of the year with Epic buying an old Cary Town Center, that entire site for $100 million, and they're going to re-envision their entire, mm-hmm. you know, worldwide headquarters there. That's good for our community. And But I do think from a destination standpoint, I think the one thing that I've really learned in this process is scalability. Right, because I think at the end of the day, there are communities out there that are obviously bigger than Raleigh, and some you know that are smaller that can be in this space. Because we are talking about competition, you know, maybe not ball and stick competition, but there is the ability to to scale events, and they can be local events. And we've seen our local, actually, two parks departments locally, and two of the municipalities that we represent, they've started to curate local esports competition. That's good things. That's like, that's like little league baseball progressing up to high school baseball to college to minors to the professionals. So that scalability of the spectrum of, of where esports and gaming can mean to a community, I think is really important for people to understand. Instead of, you know, chasing to Ed's earlier point, the big international 12,000, you know, person arena event that you don't have to be able to do that to be able to play in this space. And that's exciting. Thank you for listening. The Esports Connected Podcast is part of the Esports Future Eye Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. If you love what you hear, please be sure to subscribe or follow and leave us a review. 